welcome to this episode of Hammering Down. I'm your host, Keller Hodges. I'm hoping you're having a great, great, great day. Um, I want to go ahead and start off beforehand with a little bit of an apology. I may sound like I'm like dead and have no energy. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm pretty sick right now. I've been tested multiple, multiple times. Um, I've been tested three times. All have come back negative. So if you saw me recently, you're safe. I promise. As it turns out, uh, nowadays, it is possible to get sick without getting a visit from Aunt Roni. But <laughs> that's not what you're here to you know, hear me waffle about. I'm just letting you guys know. So if it sounds a little disjunct, it's probably because I'm having to stop and get water and you just kind of collect my thoughts because I'm a bit foggy right now. But I'm going to do my best to get through this. <laughs> but this Hartford game, um, if you were around me during this Hartford game, you guys probably saw how dejected I was. Um, that was, I would consider that to be a worse performance than the Pittsburgh Riverhounds match that we played earlier this year. It was bad. What makes it worse? I mean, Legion get all three points. That's good. Um, but we made Hartford look like the much better team. Much better of a team. They had 18 shots, six of them on target, which, you know, that is what it is. Matt Van Okel made two amazing saves. Amazing saves. It could have easily been 2-0. Uh, if you would have told me Legion lost that game 2-0 and that game stopped right at half or right at 90-minute mark, yeah, I believe you. Matt Van Okel had two worldy of saves that kept us in it. Uh, it wasn't really too much of the fall of the defense, though. Um, I will say that. Um the defense itself played fine. They were just kind of eh, sort of long-range shots that defenses are happy, not happy, but they're okay with letting happen. They're low-chance shots that are that they kind of are what they are if they go in. You know, it's like okay, that that was what it was, and if it doesn't, it's like yeah, we we know we expected that. But even so, Matt Van Okel kept us in that match and. I do want to go ahead and off the cuff talk about the goal that Enzo scored to give us the win. It was, at this point, 91 minutes into the match, the Legion had been thoroughly dominated, uh, making the Hartford Athletic looking like prime Barca. Bartha. I, do people... I'm sure people from uh, Spain care about how that's pronounced. But is it Barca or Bartha? Because I feel like that doesn't matter. That does not matter. Anyway. <laughs> um, and we have been passive all night. We were possessing the ball, but we weren't really doing anything with it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we decided to go to a counterattacking style, but then didn't press, which really does nothing. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And then kind of out of nowhere... Marlon Santos, who started off on the bench, by the way, um, pressures the keeper. So the goal itself, the left back, 
kind of passes it pretty hard. And admittedly, the keeper probably shouldn't have gotten as heavy of a touch on it, but it was still a pretty heavy back pass because if he played it any lighter, guys like Marlon or Enzo could have intercepted it. I get it. He takes a heavy touch, and Marlon closes in on the press. One of the first real deal presses that we saw all night long. And because of the way that he pressed, it meant that the keeper could only pass the ball on the ground. If he tried to pass the ball in the air, he took a massive risk of kicking it right into Marlon, instantly creating a shot. So the question is, the keep you asked the keeper, why did you pass it where you did? If you look on the replay, the right back and the other center back did not even try to help the keeper out. They did not come back to give a passing outlet. They just moved up the field ready for a long ball, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. They just did not do anything to help their poor keeper out. And so that left him with two options. Uh, He had two center back options that he could possibly pass to. And with the way his body was lining up, Enzo was able to read where the pass was going. He knew the ball was going to be on the ground because Marlon had pressured to keep uh, so he couldn't pass the ball in the air. Enzo read it like a book, intercepted it, and calmly, as you would lie, put it bottom corner. It was an impressive goal. Marlon deserves the assist on that just because his pressure created that goal. Enzo read it well, very intelligent uh, player. Two intelligent moves on the pressure and the and the interception to a goal. But, I mean, my good friend John Morrissey from USL Tactics, he talked about it on his, uh, his little post-match presser thing. The thing that he puts out on Twitter every single, after every single match, because he's a wacko that watches everything. Um, he, uh, he had mentioned that that goal is what Legion should have been doing all night long. And I think I said that early on too. So let's go ahead and I, I want to talk a bit about this starting lineup and then I want to talk about the style of play that we decided to come out with. All right, I want to start the conversation with the starting lineup. The biggest thing that you need to know is that uh, Anderson Asiadu and Marlon Santos were relegated down to the bench. Um, this was in favor of Zach Caravo and Bruno Lapa. Uh, well, not technically Bruno, but Juan Aguadello. But Bruno Lapa was awarded a starting, uh, starting position. And listen, Bruno deserved it. I mean, not even just for the... Uh, the three goals that he had against uh, Loudon. He is a brilliant player that needs to be in the starting lineup every single week. If Now, I could be wrong. I've done film study, and as far as I can tell, every time that Bruno Lapa has lined up for a free kick or a corner and did not go for goal, I think that makes sense, he has connected with a Legion player every single time except for once, and that came against uh, Tulsa when we were already down a man. That is the first time all season long that Bruno Lapa's 
free kick did not did not connect with a Legion player. He is ridiculous on free kicks. And so I decided to reach out to uh, USL Tactics, John Morrissey, whom I mentioned earlier, and I asked him, you know, how does Bruno grade out? How does his stats line up to other players? I asked him, what about some players that are pretty similar, that you could look at that look very similar to him, his polygon, whatever, and with his permission, I might post those. I will definitely post those on an article. I might post those on Twitter as well. And if you look at his important, what I would consider important statistics, which is his conversion rate, his shots, his XG, expected goals, his XA, expected assist, and crosses and fouls drawn, you come up with players that are pretty interesting. You come up, the guys that he is in the same conversation as is Leo Fernandez for Tampa Bay Rowdies, who was up for consideration for MVP this year, and Diego Luna, who just signed with MLS. According to John's numbers, Bruno Lapa is in the same conversation as an MVP candidate and a guy who just got signed to MLS. Why is Bruno Lapa not starting every single week? Is there something on is there something that we're not seeing? Cuz I'm seeing a guy who is crazy effective. I see a guy who is very good at creating plays. The biggest thing that you can knock Bruno on is his crossing percentage. Uh, he rates out as just slightly above average on his crosses. He doesn't always connect on his crosses. But I think part of that is is that Legion do not pass the ball in the air. We do not cross the ball in the air. We just don't. We are expecting low crosses, low driven crosses, expecting someone to get their foot on the end of it, lay it off to somebody else, or shoot on a second touch. That's what we do. We're not utilizing guys like Bruno Lapa effectively. And that leads to guys like Juan Agudelo not being utilized effectively. Look, on that same little thing that uh, John put out, that same thread, um, and this is going to be linked in my article that I put out. By the time this comes out, probably tomorrow or in two days, um, maybe you're listening on this on the article if you are, just scroll down. But John straight up says that Juan's lack of pace is what slowed down counterattacking opportunities that slowed down attacking opportunities. And a lot of people uh, looked at the first few minutes when Juan uh, dribbles past a man and passes the ball into Bruno. The ball takes a funny hop, and Bruno was unable to get a shot off. Yeah, maybe Bruno should have possessed it a little bit better, had a better touch. But also, that ball was skipping around like crazy. I'm not going to blame Juan for that. He did what he could. But I don't. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many players that control that ball well in the USL. I'm, I just don't understand why guys like Bruno Lapa are not playing in week in, week out. 
especially when you have a guy whose free kicks are as effective as they are. Think about how many free kicks Marlon Santos has won on his own. And now imagine you have a guy that can put a ball in a bucket to people like Fanuel Cavita, Alex Cornale, Juan Agudelo, Eddie Horvat, Zach Caravo, just absolute skyscrapers in the box. Why are we not utilizing that? I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I'm really worried that after this match against Hartford, Bruno's going to be relegated back to the bench. That somehow that match is just going to be, well, he just didn't have it. But it comes down to this. It comes down to our decisions that we were making. And I don't know if the second half was um, maybe Coach Soane's or Kano's uh, decisions on tactical decisions, or if it was just lack of execution. But I can tell you this from the first half. The first half, Legion were doing dribble ball. That's what they were doing. They would get chances, they would be on the counterattack, and Juan would try to slow the ball down and dribble. Other players would try to slow the ball down and dribble. Prosper would try to slow the ball down and dribble. Something I said on the pre-match preview and also the post-match reactions from the last episode is that the Loudon goalkeeper, uh, Joe Rice, he would straight up say, hey, they're cutting inside every single time. They're cutting inside every single time. Just don't let them do that. They're cutting inside every single time. Well, do you know what Hartford did? There was a f- several points where Hartford had nine people behind the ball. Now, if you don't know what behind the ball means, behind the ball basically means they had nine defenders. They had people, they had nine people who had their backs to goal, bodies in front of the ball to defend. That does not include a goal, that does include a goalkeeper in this situation. So technically eight players behind the ball, um, eight outfield players plus the goalkeeper. They were playing like the 4-4-2. There were times that they were just doing basically an 8-2, an 8-1-1. It was ridiculous. And why were they able to set up that strong a defense? Because we kept slowing the ball down. We kept dribbling. And I'm almost thinking that we do it because we think we can just simply out-talent other teams. That works against Loudon. Kinda. We still only had a 10% conversion rate in that match. It, w- Those kind of matches where we are expecting just to possess the ball to break down defenses, and that's just what we do. The secret is, is that we do not have the players to play that kind of ball. We just don't. We don't move enough off the ball. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was against Tulsa, I talked about how Tulsa's back line, one of the worst back lines in the USL, were able to shut out Legion. And it's because they put players behind the ball and we did not move off the ball effectively. It's the same thing here. We don't have players that are moving off the ball effectively, and when they are moving, they're just trying to find pockets of space, and by that time, they're surrounded by four different guys in this, in this dispossessed. Wow, that was a hard word for me to say. We are just not creating. We're just not. Yeah, we had 13 shots and 8 of them were on target. We put more of them on frame. That's great. But that's not really the point. 
we have more speed than anybody else in this league. I mean, look at guys. Honestly, I've someone I don't give enough credit for their speed is a guy like Famuel Kavita. Dude's wicked fast. We can press the ball effectively because he is so fast. Johnny Dean, obviously. Mateo Bunbury, wicked fast. It's stupid. Eddie Horvat, ridiculously fast. Prosper Kasim, really quick on the ball. Marlon, he likes to slow the ball and dribble, slow down the ball and dribble. But if you actually watch him on counterattacks, he is also ridiculously quick. We have all these attacking players. Ryan James is pretty quick himself. Uh, Zach Hervo, by proxy, doesn't look as fast, but he's still also wicked fast. We have the fastest team in the USL, and we choose to slow the ball down. Now, in the second half, we started to concede possession a little bit to go to this counterattacking system, which is great. But... There's one issue. We just were not pressing. We did not press at all. At all. And here's the, th here's the issue with that. When you're conceding possession, you're relying on one or two things to win the ball back. Pressing the ball. By pressing the ball, press it literally is just short for pressure. By pressuring the person with the ball, you are forcing them into one singular outlet to pass it to, or forcing a mistake. As you saw with the last goal, Marlon uh, pressures the player with the ball. He only allows for one passing outlet that was straight ahead of him and low. That was easy for Enzo to seek out, and it's a goal. Obviously, not every single possession ends up that way where it just directly ends up in a goal, or it's a keeper doing that out just outside of his 18-yard box. The point is, is if you look back at the Loudon match, we were pressing the ball like crazy, and we are forcing players into long balls that are, you know, six foot six. Uh, Alex Cronale was able to win everything. We were able to just get the ball whenever it would just soar over by his head. We were able to force mistakes into interceptions. The other thing that you're relying on is just simply intercepting the ball. You're just relying on a bad pass if you're not going to press the ball. The thing is, though, is that we just didn't intercept the ball that much. So we had no way to counterattack. If you're not intercepting the ball well, because Hartford was pretty content with just getting a point out of this match. They bogged this match down into their midfield and their defensive third pretty hard. They were... A-okay with just a point. They were fine with that. And they were just going to pass the ball laterally, uh, side to side. They weren't even going to try to go for goal. And then when they did, they looked dangerous. They really did. I said it on the preview. This is a better team than the last time we played them. And we just let them do whatever. We didn't press the ball. We didn't force them into mistakes. Even though this is a better team, this is still not a good team. We didn't force them to make mistakes. We just relied on, you know, being more athletic and maybe catching them out. But we never did because this is still a team who I think is in 10th right now in the East. This is a professional football club. They're going to be better than that. I don't know what the game plan was. And I don't know if that was a Coach Tommy decision. 
but we've seen this kind of thing before. This is not an anomaly. This was not something new. And that leaves me concerned. And I could talk about this offense all day long. Our defense played really well. Yeah, we allowed we allowed 18 shots, but six of them were on frame, and most of them were pretty easy saves. We forced them into taking bad shots that were easily saved. There was one that was early that Joel Johnson just straight up kicked right at MVO. That I think he had a pretty wide open goal. But other than that, we were fine. We only had those two shots at the end that Matt really had to work for. Other than that, he had a fairly quiet day at the office. But I know you see six saves and you don't think quiet day at the office. But when sometimes the ball is just rolling at you, I mean, it's a pretty easy save. They count as a save because it's technically on target. But it's just one of those that almost shouldn't register as a save, if that makes sense. I don't know. But the back line did well. They played really, really well. And that's something that's a staple of a Tommy Stone team. Is that it's a defensively sound team. And that's what we are. We are a defensively elite team. But because of that, you need to press the ball more. You can trust this back line to clean up any mistakes. They are good at, you know, cleaning up the scraps when they fall on the floor. They don't let the dog eat that much. They are a really good backline, so press the ball. Here's kind of an idea that I had, um, and this is what I call the murder ball lineup. And by murder ball, murder ball is something I took from uh, uh, Talking Baseball, which is a John Boy Media podcast. If you're a baseball person, that one's an amazing podcast to follow. They don't need me to plug their stuff. They have, like millions of listeners but hey you know what i guess every little bit counts but murder ball is just putting out your best lineup that is probably your best offensive lineup i my big thing and i want to see more of bunbury i think that he maybe deserves a shot in the starting lineup and you know what maybe what you know what just Take him out at the 45. I don't care if he's having a bad day. But let's start at the back line because that one makes more sense. We have Matt Van Oakle in the back. We have, I would say, Ryan James as a as a left back if you want to go full offense. But Mikey Lopez has a shout. The left back situation is pretty flexible. You could convince me either way. You have Fanwell Cavita, Alex Cornale, um and you had Johnny Dean. And then you go up to your defensive midfield where we normally play two. I say we just play one. Let's play and- play Anderson Asiadu. Let him just do his thing by himself. In the midfield, we have our three. And it is going to be what I would think is our scariest lineup. And that would be, that would be Mateo Bunbury out on the right side, or Sadiq, uh, whenever he gets here. Um, you have Bruno Lapa playing the middle, You and on the left side, you have Marlon. And then up top, you have Enzo Martinez playing a shadow striker role, and you have either Juan Agudelo, or you have Eddie Horvat playing up top. 
that's it. To me, I think that's our best attacking lineup. And I know what you're thinking immediately. What about Prosper? I think Prosper has the makings of being the best super sub in the USL. And that's not a bad position to be in. Guys like Jimmy McLaughlin, a former FC Cincinnati player, got called up to MLS by being a super sub alone. It's not a bad position to be in. And you know what? If Mateo isn't working, screw it. Put in Prosper on the left side. If, you know, you want to start Prosper there, you can convince me of that. But I also feel like Mateo gives us more passing ability on the right side than Prosper does. It's If we're looking for both service and shooting ability from our wings, because we want our wings to score, that's obvious by the way that we play, I think that... Mateo brings more balance than a shoot-first winger, which is fine. That's okay. That would also mean guys like Zach Hervo can come in off the bench. Guys like Juan Aguidelo or Eddie Horvath can come in off the bench. Guys like Mikey Lopez or Ryan James can come in off the bench. I mean, to me, this seems like a winner. I feel like that's the way you roll. And this also gives you a little bit of flex. Do you want to put in Grayson uh, DuPont? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's our best murder ball option. If we want to go all out on attack, that's the way you do it. Because we know that Juan's going to start up top every single match. Why? Because he can dribble. Eddie Horvat is faster. And we... And we know that he can get into those dangerous positions that Juan just doesn't have the pace to do anymore. That's okay. But we need to start putting Juan in positions that he does not have to run as far. Because right now, there have been times that we've asked him just to go one-on-one defenders. And he can dribble to do that. But I don't know. I feel like that just it just isn't working. And you know what? Maybe... We could say Juan and Eddie go up there by ourselves. Let's make Juan the distributor. Let's make Juan a passer. Let's Because he can do that. He is a good passer. Despite all my grievances with how I've watched him play, his ability to dribble and pass are elite. So why not just let him pe- play a through ball to Eddie Horvat? That's something we haven't seen all year is a centralized through ball. We just don't want to do that for some reason. I don't get it. We have so much pace. So much pace. And let's just say that we just decide to go with Juan up top and Enzo as a shadow striker. Enzo can either shoot, Juan Aguidelo can back pass to Enzo, or Enzo can play a simple ball where Juan is already beside the net and he does not have to run to get there. Because right now he just is not showing enough pace for this to be an effective team. We're not dribbling effectively enough to break down defenses. So why do we keep trying to force it? Sure, we have the dribblers to do so, which you can just tell that's what we've been signing. Look at guys like Mateo. Look at Anderson Asiadu. Look at, you know, Prosper's pretty good at it too. Bruno Lapa, Marlon Santos, Juan Aguidolo, Grayson DuPont. 
these are all Enzo Martinez. These are guys who are elite dribblers. Ryan James, elite dribblers. That's what we want to do. We want to slow the ball down and dribble and break down defenses that way. The issue is, is we don't have anybody who's willing to move off the ball in an intelligent way. We're just moving to open pockets and calling that off the ball movement. Fine. Whatever. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And it's not going to start working until teams respect the counterattack or we can start moving off the ball. And right now, we have seen that playing this team as a counterattacking team, we can beat anybody in the freaking league. Anybody in the league. Anyone. Anyone. And we choose to go away from it. We're going to see how we play against Atlanta United. Because we saw against Atlanta United 2 before, we decided to go to that counterattacking style when we played away. If we move back to this possessive style, I'm concerned. I am frankly concerned, but, you know, we'll see when we get there. When we play San Diego Loyal in two weeks, that's an elite team. And go ahead, circle that match, by the way. San Diego Loyal, and then on a Saturday or Sunday, I think it's a Saturday, and then we have Detroit City on a Wednesday, and then we have Memphis away on a Saturday. Those are three straight matches that this next four this next four matches between Atlanta United 2, Memphis 901, Detroit City, and San Diego Loyal. If we do not get at least ten points from those three from those four matches, you can kiss our home playoff chances goodbye. Especially, especially if we drop points to Memphis and Detroit City. This is our chance to submit ourselves and to control our destiny to home playoffs. We need to figure out our system now or it's going to be too late for a home playoff game. And I'm going to say it and I'm going to continue to say it. It is a home playoff match or failure. When Jay Heaps came out earlier this year and said that the goal was to win the cup, I believed him. The lineup that we have right now can win a USL Cup. But the first step should be getting a home playoff game. And anything less than that is a failure. And if we do not figure out this offensive tactic that we know works, we have a working tactic, we just refuse to do it, then this season's a failure. And I don't think that's too harsh to say. But thank you all for listening. I hope you had a great, great day. I think I already said that. I'm going to go lay down and take some ibuprofen. I'm I'm absolutely exhausted. Uh, Hopefully the article comes out soon. If you're listening to this on the article, obviously it's already out. So thank you all so, so much. If there's any kind of content that you guys want to see more of or hear more of, just let me know. And until next time, guys, keep hammering on.